Hey guys, it's Simmy and this is Wrestling Unlimited as it's Wednesday and tonight was AEW Dynamite. I thought tonight's Dynamite was actually a really good show. I enjoyed everything that we got on the show. Got some breaking news twice on the show actually because they announced a big show coming up on March 13th and they announced, well they didn't announce, but we got new tag team champions and Sting and Darby Allen at the end of the show as well. So two breaking news things. Oh, actually, technically we want to say three because they also announced the world title match for Revolution, which here's my question for you, Luke. What do you think is the main event for Revolution? The triple threat for the world title or Sting and Darby versus the Young Bucks? I'd probably say the triple threat for the world title. Really? That'd be my guess. Even though this whole show's been built around Sting's retirement? I don't know. That's a tough one. Actually, I'd probably say the... I would say maybe the tag team is, would probably be the main event. And maybe maybe they could kick off with the triple threat world title match. That'd be cool. That's what I was trying to think about earlier. I was like, which of these matches would be the main event? Is it Sting and Darby versus the Young Bucks with the tag titles on the line? Or would it be the world title triple threat? You know, and we'll talk about that. How I thought Hangman was. Thank God somebody loves to stay within the rules in this goddamn company. Hangman telling him, I'm not giving you five more minutes, but that's a whole other story for itself. But yeah, a lot of stuff on this show. I thought it was a good show. What did you think overall about the show, though? I mean, I thought the show, I thought the show was decent. It was a very, <coughs> sorry, but I thought it was a very uh, newsworthy show. Yes. I'll say that. That is for sure. It's very newsworthy. Matches were matches were pretty good, I'll say, but I thought it was just a decent show, very newsworthy, and it was one of those shows that did a good job of like building up for stuff for Revolution, which I did, which I did like. Right. So with that, I want to say uh, thank you for joining us here. Twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited, YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, and podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tier subscription or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you have Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games, and you always get one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month, and I'd greatly appreciate it if you did right here for Wrestling Unlimited. But remember, it doesn't just have to be your Amazon Prime account. It could be anybody's Amazon Prime account, whether it's your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your grandma, your grandpa, your auntie, your uncle, anybody. You just link it to your Amazon. You link their Amazon to your Twitch. Bada bing, bada boom, you're good. Also remember to head over to... YouTube, hit that subscribe button. That way you know when we go live. That way you know when we post new videos. That way you know when we post on the community tab. And hit that join button. Hit the join button to become a channel member and support the channel. And finally, if you want to get your comment, question, or concern read live on the air, you can do so by donating a super chat. Also head over to the Epic Game Store. And when buying something on the Epic Game Store, or maybe not buying something and just claiming something that's free, use this code right here, PWUnlimited at checkout hell. Disney just announced today that they've invested $1.5 billion into Epic because they're building out basically a Disney universe within Fortnite, which is I think is going to be its own game within Fortnite, like we've got with Lego Rocket Racing and Festival. 
And so when you're going to want to start getting that stuff, whenever the hell that comes out, use this code right here. PWUnlimited, because they said that's coming soonish. Whatever this new Disney Fortnite epic experience game universe is going to be. It's going to have Disney, Pixar, Marvel, uh, Star Wars, Lucasfilm, so maybe Indiana Jones stuff, and um, Avatar as well. All in this. We don't know exactly what the game's going to be, but it's going to be available through the Epic Game Store. And you can support us with whatever this is. Because I know I'm going to be spending too much money on this game because it's Disney and I love everything at Disney. So with that, I thought we would kick off the show talk about the Boston show. But Tony Khan tonight did officially announce that on March 13th, they will be running in Boston, Massachusetts. They'll be running from the TD Garden. It's a special episode of Dynamite. It is the Dynamite the Wednesday following. Is this the Wednesday right after Revolution? Because Revolution is the third. So no, it is two Wednesdays after Revolution. So it's not the sixth, but the 13th. And they'll be running what they call AEW Big Business. Let me read you the press release really fast. It says, quote, during tonight's live event of AEW Dynamite from the Footprint Center in Phoenix, Arizona, AEW CEO Tony Khan announced the promotion will return to Boston on Wednesday, March 13th at the TD Garden with AEW Big Business live on TBS. The announcement marks AEW's second show at TD Garden after AEW Dynamite Blood and Guts last summer, which featured the third annual installment of the... However, you say this, Epomius match, whatever. Uh, the match around uh, the time, this time around, fans can expect more incredible moments during this historic edition of AEW Dynamite. Tickets go on sale this weekend. They say Boston is the perfect, this is Boston is the perfect home for AEW big business, which will be a major moment in history for all elite wrestling, says Tony Khan. You'll have a chance to be part of this once in a lifetime moment either by joining us live at the TD Garden or watching live on TBS on Wednesday, March 13th. So I'm going to pull up this graphic here on the screen. So this is the graphic for Big Business, and I just opened the wrong thing. But this is the graphic for Big Business. And we already know what Big Business is. Big Business, I'll just say it right now, Big Business is where Mercedes Monet is going to debut. So what, what do you think of this, Luke? Why find the graphic real fast? I mean, once they announced, once uh, well, once TD Garden announced it, I was like, <laughs> "Oh, this this is pretty obvious that it's gonna be the show that Mercedes Monet is gonna debut on." Because here's the thing: Tony Khan loves those like, like hometown stuff, like whether that's like a hometown victory of a championship or those hometown debuts. Like Tony Khan loves that stuff, so this honestly makes a lot of sense. So we see here the graphic for Big Business. We got the cool logo. Kind of looks like, you know, Basha Banks graphics. We got over here. Let me see if I can zoom in there. We got over here the, the letter signs that looks like the, the S's, like when we saw her graphics in, a, in WWE. It says Boss Ton with two S's and dollar signs here. And it's like, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know what's going on. Mercedes Monet. Is coming to the AEW. Apparently, she's been signed for a little while now, but they're waiting essentially a little over a month for the big debut because they feel like she's gonna they feel like she's gonna do big numbers. 
And why waste that at the pay-per-view that's already sold out? Why waste her surprise debut at the pay-per-view when they don't need to sell any more tickets? So what they're going to do is they're going to sell tickets for this show, big business, and then go from there and see how that goes. But here's my issue. Like, whatever. Sign whoever you want. Bring whoever you want to AEW. Do whatever you're going to do. But is this going to be any different from any other big name they've signed? What happened to Adam Copeland? Like, he wrestles Griff Garrison and Lee Moriarty on Collision now. Heck, I haven't even seen him in, what, two, three weeks? Like, they sign too many people, and then they just become guys on the roster. Other people in the company. Not many people in AEW stand out above the rest, in my opinion, and that's a problem here. You would think bringing in somebody like a Mercedes, who, in my opinion... And I keep saying my opinion because I have no inside knowledge on any of this. In my opinion, she's going to do ratings for a week. Maybe the second week if she gets announced for a big match. And then who's going to care? She's going to have those Mercedes fans. She's got a loyal fan base. But that's a super small, minute percentage of the wrestling community. Most people that I've talked to when asking them, and I've been trying to gain, gauge like fan interest, what do you think if Mercedes goes to AEW? Are you excited for Mercedes to go into AEW? And I keep getting the, eh, we'll see. Because there's A, no real, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like confidence in Tony Khan even booking her super well. And then B, who knows how she's even going to be? Who knows if she's going to want to work a full-time schedule. Who knows if the first time she doesn't get her way, she's going to walk out like she did on WWE twice. So that's my whole thing. It's like, this is more of a wait and see, but I don't think she's going to be the big wrestling business game changer that Tony Khan said she's going to be. Because he said this is going to be in, where did, it, where did I wrote it down in the tweet. He said on the show, we will see a very important night for AEW and the entire pro wrestling industry. But I don't think that's the case. I don't think her jumping or signing with AEW is that important in the overall landscape of pro wrestling. Maybe for AEW itself, but I don't think she's going to make that big of an impact going like for the long term. Like what do you, what do you think? What do you think her, like, staying power is going to be in more than just the first month? I mean, I think the first month with her being there will will probably be well. I mean, that's that's what it was like for Adam Copeland. I mean, when he was first in AEW for, like, a month, I thought it went pretty well for him. But now, like, after that, <laughs> like, people have really kind of forgotten about Adam Copeland in AEW. Hell. And, like, <clears throat> and, like here's the thing with... Real quick, real quick on Adam Copeland. I care more about Adam Copeland on this goddamn Percy Jackson show on Disney Plus than I do him in AEW, which just got announced for a second season. But go for it. And, like, like it really just depends how they book her as well. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I'm super scared about how they're using Deanna Perrazzo because they put her straight into the title shot. And we all know she's not winning. No. So, and like after she, after like once she loses to Tony Storm, now it's like, okay, what are they gonna do with her now? Put her in exactly. Ring of Honor. Yeah, that's the whole thing. It's like, so 
If they would have done the slow build with Deanna Perrazzo, I think that would have been better because Tony's got this thing where he pushes somebody new to the top super fast, and then soon as that month, two-month push is over, they're gone. They're just another person on the roster. They're whoever. Like Soraya came in, got a big push. But then what happened with that? Yeah, she won the title at All In. Didn't hold it that long. And now what? Soraya is just here to tell Ruby Soho, quit looking at an Angelo Parker. You don't need to be swooning over that guy. Like, well, that's her role now. It's like, and like, and it's not just the women. They do this with the guys too. They bring somebody in big, they push them for four, five, six weeks, and then they're just another random face on the show. And like, they did that with. Brian Danielson at first, they pushed him to the AEW World Title shot really quick, and then they, and thankfully they put him with the, they created the BCC with him because when he first lost the Hangman at Winter is Coming, when he won that uh, tournament to be number one contender, when he first lost that to Hangman, people were like, all right, now what do they do with him next? Because people are starting to mm-hmm. question how they were booking him. Right. Yeah, a lot of, I'll say Tony does a lot of start and stop booking with people where like. He'll get, him, he'll get him hot, and he'll push him. And then, oh, my story's over. They're gone. And then, but there's still, people want to see them. And it's like, nope, move on to the next person. I feel like he does that a little too much. Move on to the next person. He did that a lot in the Jacksonville days. Push somebody, push somebody, push somebody. Take, take Cody Rhodes, for example. Cody, like, at one point was feuding, when they first brought in the TNT Championship, Cody was feuding with Lance Archer. And it was like, boom, boom, boom. Really big, really big, really big. Oh, nope, we got Brody Lee. Screw Lance Archer. Now let's just throw somebody else in there. Brody Lee's time was over. Boom, now throw somebody else in there. That's the one issue that I have with Tony Khan is a lot of, like, really quick booking to the point where it's like, oh, that's it. We just, we're done. And he never really, like, lets anybody fester, if you get what I'm saying. To the point where it's like, once their story's done, they get pushed off and somebody else is in there. Sometimes storylines can drag in AEW, but as soon as the storyline's done, if you're not the champion, boom, they just move on to somebody else. Like, look at House of Black. Well, I mean, they've been feuding with FTR now, but on Collision. Who watches Collision? I haven't watched Collision live in the last, like, month, two months, and I've only maybe watched half of those shows even after that, but that's my one problem with with AEW, and I think they're going to do the same thing for Mercedes. They're going to call her this, you know, once-in-a-lifetime moment. She's going to sign with the company, and then all of a sudden, she's going to change the wrestling industry by signing. But didn't they say that about Christian Cage? We're going to sign somebody that's going to change the landscape. And Christian was a nothing guy for almost two years. And now he's, he's doing great things as TNT champion, but he's not changing the world. He's not changing the industry. He's not doing anything that nobody else is doing other than, like, gimmick-wise. He's doing something different, but he's not making any more of an impact than, say, the BCC. So, everybody, uh, like I said to Luke before we went live, there's no singular or few people to me in AEW that stand out above the rest. So, like in WWE. In WWE, Roman Reigns stands out above everybody. Seth Rollins stands out about, above everybody. Cody Rhodes stands out above everybody. In AEW... Everybody just feels equal and the same, whether you're a champion or not. That's that's a problem. 
Yeah, and it's mainly like the booking though. Like there's yes. really like there's no structure, honestly. Like Bless you. Oh, that was a cough. Oh, my bad. But because I think even Swerve said it recently. He said when WWE tried to reach out to me to come back when I was already signed by AEW, I didn't even answer the phone. He said, I didn't want to go to some go somewhere where they're gonna tell me what to do. So it's like that's another issue AEW has. They give the talent too much freedom. And so storylines end up feeling a little muddled at times. Which, yes, that is a big problem. I know some wrestlers really like that. But at the same time, it it's like, if you're giving wrestlers too much freedom, it's going to start to become chaotic. Now, there's a difference between having freedom and being scripted. I know there are wrestlers that, oh, I don't like my promos to be scripted. Or there are, there are actually some wrestlers that go, no, I prefer to be scripted. That's one thing. But when you're giving wrestlers freedom over their storyline, we're going back to WCW now, and it's Hulk Hogan saying, I don't want to lose to that guy. Because, I mean, Dave Meltzer has said it a couple times. There are some people in this company, and he's alluded to House of Black guys, and maybe even FTR. They don't like to lose, and they'll tell Tony straight up, I ain't losing. So what happens when Mercedes is like, I'm not losing to this person, and Tony says you have to. What, is she going to walk out? Again, like I said, she did it in WWE twice. Remember when Pac walked out in <clears throat> WWE because he didn't want to lose to Enzo? Yeah, but that's Enzo. They were trying to fire yeah, that but... guy. They were trying to fire him anyways. No, but right, I know what you're saying. But... And, and where's Pac been in AEW? Pretty sure he's still been hurt, though. I heard that he's good to go. Like, within the last couple of weeks, month or so. He's a guy that Triple <laughs> H would probably push pretty hard. Yes, there are a couple guys in AEW that, hindsight 2020 now, probably wish they would have stayed in WWE. Like, a uh, undisputed era. Just think where Adam, uh, Cole, just think where Adam uh, Cole would be if with Triple H in charge of the main roster now and Vince not having a single input. Well, the Adam Cole one's a little different, though. But why? Well, didn't he leave because Bruce Pritchard didn't really like him and he was going to change his name? But Triple H is Bruce's boss. If Triple H wants to push him like he pushed him in NXT, Bruce has no say. Right, but like at the time, like who was going to predict oh, no, that no, Triple no. H is going to be in charge on the main roster That's now? what I'm saying. If these people would have known back then what we know now, maybe right. staying would have been better-ish. But that's why now there's a lot of people, or not a lot of people, there's like a handful of people. Andrade was the first one. Oh, Vince is gone. I'm coming back. Vince is gone. Yep. I will work for you guys again. Malachi Black might be the same way. Buddy Matthews might be the same way. And who Wait, else? Did you, see the, did you see the report that Malachi Black and Buddy Matthews said they might, might be going back to WWE once their contract expire? So I saw it, but I think it was taken out of context because they never actually said that themselves. So yeah, I, I, I know what you're talking about, but I think it may have been taken a little out of context. <clears throat> uh Magma Morton in Twitch chat says Britt Baker was another reason why Adam left. I mean true. I mean kinda. But if that well, was I know the- Adam said Adam said in the interview that like like when he was in WWE he barely got to see Britt. So I mean maybe he, he hey, just maybe. went there because he wanted to see Britt Brit more. Oh, but Triple H is a, is a good eye for talent. Maybe he'll sign them both. 
Oh, I don't think Britt's going to WWE. I don't see it. I don't see why not, especially now with Triple H. Um, I think a lot of people that you wouldn't have thought would have gone three years ago would go now. And like I said, they tried to get Mercedes back, but they were off on money. Mercedes wanted big money, and they felt, you're not worth the money you want. And they were like, talks have ended because they couldn't agree on the money. Well, she wanted more money than what Charlotte got on her new deal. Charlotte got like the biggest woman's deal ever. So I'm going to say right now, and I don't care if people clip this and don't like this, Sasha Banks, Mercedes Monet is not a Charlotte Flair. I'm going to say it right now. So I agree with that. We'll see how it goes. We got five weeks till her debut. And for everybody on Twitter that are going, I knew it. I predicted it. Ah, I should be a wrestling reporter. Yeah, everybody predicted this one. But as far as the show yeah, itself does go, go for it. I've been saying for weeks that Mercedes Monday was going to AEW. Yeah, it's been reported by Sean Rossap. It's been reported by Dave Meltzer. It's been reported by Brian Alvarez. They've all been saying it basically since January 1st. Oh, she'll be here at any time. Mercedes is signing, if not already been signed. Like all three of them have been reporting it since January 1st. Mainly Sean and Brian have been like, oh, she could show up this week. She could show up next week. She... She's she's there. She's just gonna show up when they're ready for her. They've been saying it since the first. So both of those guys have been on it with the Mercedes stuff, being like, "Yep, nope, talk stop with WWE," and they're she's good to go with AEW. <clears throat> as far as the show itself does go, opened up with a banger of a match and a referee who doesn't care about the rules. What about this referee not counting when they're in the freaking crowd wrestling? Like they're fighting on the outside. By the time they, so they're fighting on the outside, they jump the barricade, they're fighting in the crowd. By the time they get back in the ring, he's only at two. And I'm like, they've been out of the ring for 15 seconds or more. And you're only at a two guy? Then, Swerve over here, grabs the table, drags it all the way around the ring and sets it up. And the ref never once tells them not to do it or not to use the table. What do you think he was going to do, ref? Have dinner? Him and Nana were going to gnaw on some freaking KFC? What? Like, geez, referee out here is not even caring about the rules. Then gets put through the table. And the ref says nothing about it. At least Hangman knows what the rules are. Time limit means time limit, no extra time. At least somebody can, can follow the rules. But as far as the matches go, would you say this was better than the street fight? The death match, Texas death match. Or, or are they not comparable because they're so different? Well, it's kind of hard to compare because they're pretty different. Yeah. Because I saw people online trying but to compare. And I was like, you can, but it's kind of hard to because that match was so different. And like was able to do different things. But um, the match itself just starts off with a plain old lockup. And I'm like, oh. I thought these guys were just going to start punching and kicking each other right off the bat, but nope, just a lockup. So Strickland shot a double leg, and both men spilled to the floor, and then this is where I was talking about where they're fighting on the floor. Hangman gets whipped into and over the barricade, sort of then jumps over the barricade, crossbodies Hangman. Eventually, they get out of the crowd. Hangman gets back in the ring. Swerve gets back in the ring, and the ref's only at two. I'm like, what the, what? They've been out for 15, 20 seconds, if not more. And the ref only counted two that whole time. So what? Is one second 
actually 10 seconds in ref time? I don't know. Anyways, uh, so they get back into the ring. Paige briefly controlled with some strikes until Swerve delivered a big boot to gain the momentum. Paige answered with a fallaway slam and a kip-up, taking in more cheers. Uh, crowd really loved Hangman, or Swerve here. This was a pro-Swerve crowd, I will say that for sure. Strickland bit the thumb of Paige and then applied an octopus hold. He tried to snap the arm back, but Paige escaped and hit a springboard lariat to the neck on the apron. Paige slowly picked apart Strickland, both inside and outside of the ring, as finally Strickland fought back with some corner chops, hard corner chops, and a gut punch and a low drop kick for a two. Paige wanted to go for a top rope moonsault to the floor, but Strickland moved. Paige landed on his feet and hit a rolling flatliner from, for, uh, from Strickland. After a heated, uh, uh, heated exchange, Strickland hit a leaping backflip dive over the top to the floor, and back inside, Strickland delivered an uppercut to the spine. There's a house call, The Connected, and when he hit this house call off the top rope, well, no, not this one. Yeah, 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 because he hits the buckshot, and then he goes for the house call, and this crowd goes nuts when he hits this house call. Crowd thinks it's over. One, two, no. So both men were fighting in the corner at one point with Paige trying to do a sunset flip powerbomb, but Strickland backflipped out, landing right on his head in the process, and then hit a spin kick. He then went for the JML driver, but Paige spun out into a Liger bomb for a two. Paige started getting booed, actually, at this point. He tried a buckshot. Strickland dodged it, and we go from there. Paige then rolls to the outside and ate a Strickland pump kick, as Strickland wanted a pile driver while balancing on the guardrail, but Paige countered into a DDT on the barricade. It would go to a pitcher-pitcher break. During the break, Paige then set up a table at ringside, and things returned with both men trading big boots before crumbling some, uh, crumbling at the same time. After laughing in Paige's face, he starts hitting him with some strikes. Strickland then answers back with a backbreaker, and then he hung Paige in a trio woe kind of on the outside, and Strickland goes for the swerve stomp on the actual um, apron of the ring. Paige then rolls onto the table, and the table just collapses under his weight. And the crowd's kind of like, they don't know if they should cheer or not. Because I think the crowd was unsure if he actually like went through the table or if the table broke. So like they half cheered, half didn't. So Strickland did deliver a swerve stomp as Paige rolled. Yeah, like I said, he rolled to the table. The table broke. Strickland then tried a 450 back inside the ring, but Paige got his knees up. Justin Roberts then announced five minutes remaining. Paige skinned the cat and leveled Strickland with a lariat before a buckshot turned Strickland inside out, but a foot was on the ropes and broke the hold. Paige then connected with a dead eye on the apron and Paul Turner and told uh, and told Paul Turner to count Strickland out. So this was weird. So Swerve is down and he's slowly getting up, and Prince Nana starts dancing and dancing and dancing around Swerve like he's giving Swerve powers. Who does this guy think he is? Paul Bearer with the urn to the Undertaker. Oh, Undertaker, here's the power of the urn. So so Nana's dance now gives Swerve some powers to hype himself back up and get back in the ring. That was kind of weird because he's just sitting there dancing right around Swerve, just dancing, just dancing. And then finally Swerve gets in by nine. I'm like, what, what did that do for anything? That was kind of weird. 
Page though hits a baseball slide, grabs a chair, and screams at Strickland to stay down, but then decked Nana with a chair instead. Ref never tried to stop him. We need to fire this referee. The ref never tried to stop him from using the chair. Uh, the attention turned around, and Strickland capitalized with a swerve stop, flush, but then grabbed the ankle as if maybe he heard it on the move. Strickland then tried a JML driver, but Page rolled out and wrenched at the injured ankle. Both fought to the apron again, and this time Strickland hit a dead eye through the table. And then all of a sudden, Hangman barely sold this because, like, not even 30 seconds later, Hangman's back in the ring and they're just going like nothing happened. Like, nobody went through a table. So Strickland wanted a third swerve stomp, but Page moved and Strickland collapsed. Page went for a buckshot, but Strickland dodged into a JML driver. He was going to go for the pin, and the time limit was there. The time has expired, and he only got a two. Like, they timed this out. They couldn't have timed this out any better. Like, the end of this match was really good, because I've never seen a time limit draw go to where... I've, I've seen a time limit draw to where you get the guy down, you're going for the pin, and then all of a sudden the time limit's over. But I've never seen... Two guys do a time limit draw so well that it's in the middle of the pin. One, two, time limit draw. Now my question is, do we need to go back and check it? Because they could have fudged the numbers there just a little bit. Fans can't believe it. They're furious. Matches in, or the match is over, but no one's winner. Who is the number one contender? And Swerve gets a microphone and says, Hangman, you know what this means? Five more minutes. So I guess, is it a thing in AEW where it's like, if both guys agree, then you can do five more minutes? Or is it a... Someone asked, I don't even know, but Hangman was like, huh, really? You had to beat me to become number one contender, and you couldn't beat me. So, yeah, no. I ain't giving you no more minutes. Hangman goes to leave, and Tony Schiavone grabs a microphone and goes, oh, oh, hold on. I'm getting a word from uh, Tony Khan. Now, we still need a match for the pay-per-view. And since nobody won but nobody lost, you both will challenge Samoa Joe in a triple threat match. And then Paige was mad about it and Swerve smiled. But I don't get this. Why would Paige be mad and Swerve happy that it's a triple threat? Wouldn't it be the other way? Because when you look at those rankings that released last week, Swerve was number one. Hangman was number two. So if you come out of this match where nobody technically won... You go back to the rankings of the match, the title match should just go to Swerve. But, hey, half the shit they do in this company makes no sense. When you try to make stuff that don't make sense, makes sense, it still don't make sense. But what do you think of the match? I mean, the match was good. I know this part doesn't really mean a lot because I know this is like two different types of matches. But remember at uh, Revolution last year when they did MJF versus uh, Brian Danielson? Right. In a 60-minute Ironman match, both both of them were tied, but then they ran out of time. And then Tony Khan did the sudden death thing. Well, yeah, you do that a lot with Ironman matches. We've seen that throughout the years. That I don't think I think that's different because we know that 90% of the time in Ironman matches, if there's a draw, they're going to go to a sudden death. I mean, look at WrestleMania. Crap, what was it? 13? Which one was Sean and Brett? Which WrestleMania was Sean and Brett? 11? I always forget. 12. I was off. 
Uh, I was in between, whatever. So yeah, like WrestleMania 12, that went to the time limit, and then they had to go to the sudden death. But we've just always known Iron Man matches. If it ends, if there's a, if there's a draw, you go sudden death. But it's right. like there's a time limit for a reason. If we're just gonna willy nilly give extra time after you already say this match only has a 30 minute time limit, then why put the time limit on it at all? You know what I mean? Why put the time limit on it at all if you're just gonna give extra time? And I get what someone's gonna say, huh, but it's all scripted anyways. What does it matter? I mean, we're supposed to think it's real. So make us feel like it's real. So, um, go for it. I, I, were you about to say something? Oh, I was just going to keep on going with what was next. Oh, uh, I know we talked about this earlier, but uh, Jonathan said CM Punk went to WWE once Vince left. Well, I'm pretty sure he wanted to go back even when Vince was there, but Vince said no. Call so he's like, right. that's the so only like, file. That's the only reason he went to AEW because Vince wouldn't take him back. He didn't want to go to AEW at first. AEW made him an offer in 2019. He told him no. He then tried to he, go for it. Well, I'm pretty sure the reason why he declined it because of how unprofessional they tried negotiating with him because they tried talking to him over text. He yes. didn't like that. That was the rumor that he didn't like the way that they were trying to do business. And it was the Young Bucks coming at him. He wanted to talk to the boss, Tony Khan. And he tried to see if there was any, any way he can go to WWE. Vince never wanted him back. And so that's why he eventually went to AEW. Everyone's saying, oh, he only went to WWE because AEW fired him. If, if WWE would have taken him, he would have never gone to AEW is the whole thing. So, yeah. Uh, Renee Piquette's backstage with Samoa Joe. She said, what are your thoughts on him being a triple threat? Basically, Joe laughs and goes, they don't want me to be the champion anyways. So whatever they can do to stack the odds against me, they're going to do. But both men are going to suffer. So, should be a good match, I will say. I think this will be a good match at the pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. I I also, I can see Swerve winning this one. Maybe he pins uh, Hangman so it can still make Samoa Joe look strong. Honest, unless, this one does, unless this one doesn't really matter. If, if, if you want me to speak honestly here, I think they pin Joe to keep Hangman strong. Hangman gets a title shot. Doesn't win it, but has the gripe of, you pin that guy, not me. I want a shot at your belt now, Swerve. Then they're going to do another Swerve-Hangman match, but this time for the belt because Hangman didn't lose in the triple threat. I can honestly see him doing that over wanting to keep Joe strong. Well, they're probably going to do like Hangman or Swerve for like the hundredth time. This time, maybe I like double or nothing. Yep. Or maybe not wait and man. Let me see. March. Oh, that's only two months. So, yeah, they could do it. No. Yeah. I could see them waiting. But I, I, I think there, and I could be wrong here, but I think there's a good chance this leads to Swerve, Hangman, title. Just the two of them. Uh, Jonathan says, does Joe really lose the championship this early? Yeah. Probably. I, most likely. I would put a higher percentage on Joe losing than Joe winning. If I had to put a percentage on it, I'd probably say 70% chance Joe does not. I mean, 80% chance probably Joe does not walk out the champion. Because what have they really done that big with Joe as the champion? 
the the hook stuff. Eh. Him being hangman, him being hangman, which no, not him being uh, MJF, which I mean, the whole reason why he won that was because of the because <laughs> like MJF was hurt. <clears throat> Yeah, and the, it was basically the storyline of, of course, MJF's going to lose. He's all messed up right now. So, and for people to like keep saying like, "Oh, MJF can still go WWE," no, he's not going back. He's not going to WWE. If MJF, here's the thing. Here's the thing. MJF's contract was supposed to be up on January first. If his contract or real was up on January first, we would have known that. You know what the real bidding war of 2024 is? What? Braun Breaker to Raw or SmackDown. Screw MJF. It's who's getting Braun Breaker. They both want him. Adam Pearce and Nick Aldis both want Braun. So that's the real bidding war of 2024. Who gets Braun Breaker? So, yeah. I think... I I feel like Raw might get him. I can see it. But it's the the whole thing with MJF. If, if his contract really was up, we would have known about it a month ago. His contract's not up. He resigned a while ago. And it's a really a disappointment because they tried to kind of play it up at the end of the year, and they didn't really. Now, I think they removed him from the roster page to try and play it up. But, like, who's looking at their roster page? Not many fans. Well, they did that with Wardlow to do the whole him and MJF stuff, which, which no one was buying that. Yeah, no. Like anytime they remove someone from the roster page, a lot of times it means nothing unless there's actually like news of them leaving. Right. Right. I'm looking really fast. He would be right here. M A B C D E F G H I J. Yeah. Yeah. He's not on the roster page. So what he was supposed to think he left. No. He'll be back soon. Heck, I could see him staying out all the way till Adam Cole's cleared, which who knows how long that's going to be. Adam Cole should be back I think, soon. Maybe. I think they had said like six months or something. Six, seven months. A minimum. Well, he ruptured his ankle in three places. Hey, big, big. Uh... Oh, also, I don't know if you saw this on on social media yesterday. There's kind of like a Adam Cole AEW versus WWE thing on kind of funny live stream. Did you like, see what, this? What was it? No. Uh, it? It's nothing serious or anything. It was a complete joke by Greg Miller who works for WWE. So Greg Miller is one of the founders of Kind of Funny. And Greg Miller also does work for WWE. He hosts This Is Awesome on the WWE Network and Peacock. And he does pre-show stuff for them and other things. And well, yesterday there was a PlayStation Showcase featuring the new Final Fantasy game. So Adam Cole, being a huge Final Fantasy fan, they brought Adam Cole onto their their live stream to help react to the news of the new Final Fantasy game. And right when it's starting, Greg Miller runs in and goes, hey, what the heck's going on here? I'm a WWE superstar, and why we got an AEW guy on here? No one told me about this. And, like, they shove him off and everything. It was a complete just gag joke thing, 15 seconds, but I thought it was funny. Basically, like, hey, I'm a WWE guy. You can't have an AEW guy on my show. But 
Move forward. Timeless Tony Storm versus Red Velvet with Diana Perrazzo on commentary. So they said that this is a eliminator match. And if Red Velvet were to win, she would get the first shot after the Revolution pay-per-view. But did anybody think Red Velvet was going to win? I didn't. No. Match was all right. I mean, it wasn't great, but I didn't think it was a bad match. Like, it was a very... I'm, I'm pretty good television match. Like, I, like if this match happened on a pay per view, I would call it a disappointment. But this match happening just on a random dynamite, I thought it was really well for a random dynamite show. And it was a good, really good TV match. So Velvet opted to play to the crowd early on, and Storm answered with a Thez press and a sky high for a two. Mariah May then admired Storm, keeping Velvet grounded throughout the entire commercial break. Velvet mounted her comeback with some strikes and another leg lariat before a Cazadora Bulldog led to a double knees to the back. Uh, to the back. Velvet then tried a corner charge, but Storm swept the leg, sending Velvet face first into the buckle. Basically, she hit the, uh, the bad knee. Storm then followed with a violent sweet cheek music and a DDT, but Velvet kicked out. Um, Storm was then slow to follow up here, and Storm nearly got rolled up for a two. As Velvet missed a corkscrew kick, and Storm sank in an ankle lock. While staring down Perrazzo, Velvet tapped. So, she put her in the ankle lock, and then she was just looking straight at Deanna. And I didn't even notice. Did you notice that she tapped out? Because I didn't until the ref was like, call the bell, that's it. And I'm like, oh, is she tapping? Because, like, the camera angle is weird. The ref was kind of almost standing in the way. I didn't even notice the tap out until he called for it. <laughs> no, I did not notice it. Yeah. So Tony Storm they get or yeah, Tony Storm lets go. Perazzo gets in the ring. She then kind of like, I, what was this that Tony Storm was doing? She rubbed her face on Deanna's face and then did it on the other side. That, that was just weird. Luther then got in between and was like, no, we're not doing any of this. And yeah, that was a little odd. Whatever Tony was trying to do there at the end. But what did you think of the match in the? Post-match weirdness. I mean, the match was decent. I wouldn't say it was great, but it was a decent match. So then another kind of weird segment. I believe that they may have been told at the last second, stretch, stretch, because they like added an extra like 15, 20 seconds to get to the break. So Renee Paquette's backstage with Orrin Cassidy, Trent Beretta, and Rocky Romero, asking Cassidy about wrestling Tomohiro Ishii on collision after a six-man tag on Rampage. Cassidy said, I'll be fine. Renee then asked about Chuck Taylor. They said, how is he doing? And they're like, he's good. He's being checked out by medical right now. And we're going to go check on him being checked out by the doctor. Like Orange was like trying to make a joke here, but like knew it wasn't landing and then tried to like fix it and save it and didn't. And then like they all start to walk off. And I, I, I could be wrong, but I think this is when they were probably told, stretch, stretch. Because then Renee was like, she looks around for a second and goes, hey, hey, wait, 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 Put the hands, everyone puts their hands in, and then they're, like, looking around, looking around like they're waiting for the cue to, like, when to finish the segment, and then they, hey, and then they all do the thing, and then they high-five, and then, yeah. I don't know if the awkwardness was on purpose or the awkwardness was because they were told to stretch. I think it's the latter. Again, another, another backstage segment in Orange Cassidy that did nothing for nothing. <clears throat> I 
then we get a match. It's John Moxley, Brian Danielson, and Claudio Castagnoli against Mascara Dorada, Volador Jr., and Hechicero. I thought this was a great match. I thought this match was really fun. And then what happens at the end? More mask guys come out that I don't know who they are. What the crap? So then we get the rando AEW guys from last week coming back out. This I don't even know. Oh, technically they're CML guys. Yeah, so. yeah. They're, they're CMLL wrestlers. There's a rumor that all this could be leading to the announcement that they're going to do a forbidden door with AEW, New Japan, and CMLL. But that's like months away. I don't know if they do a right. separate show. I don't know. That's like I said, or months maybe away. At, or what they could do, maybe at Revolution, they could do like an AEW versus CML, CMLL match. Yeah. I mean, what else do you have for the BCC? Nothing right now other than working with these guys. Right, also, that's what they've been doing for like the past week. Claudio invented a new move in this match. So he picks up, I think it was Hechicero. I could be wrong. But he picks him up like he's going to give him a high angle, like a spine buster. And then he lifts his leg and knees him right in the balls. And I'm like, oh. And then he just drops him down slowly. And I'm like, well, that's not a spine buster. So are we calling this new move the ball buster? Because he picks him up like he's going to give him for a spine buster. And then his leg comes up and he just crotches him. So I'm like... Okay, that was that was different. We got the ball buster going on here. Anyways, match was fun. My notes are kind of weird. It's because they were going so fast with some of these spots that I couldn't keep up. Like they were, were just going a mile a minute at some point at some parts. Um, so they did tell us that Mystico, Star Junior, and S S. Esfinge, I think is what they said. I could have had that wrong. <clears throat> We're front row. Now, we know who Mystico is. That's the former Sin Cara. But the other two guys... Well, that, no, that was, the, that was the original Sin Cara. Well, that's what I meant. Former, original. Yeah. So we know who he is. But the other two I've never even heard of. Star Jr. and Estefinge, or Est. I wrote it as Estefinge, but I could have heard it wrong. Well, I'm pretty sure one of these guys was on collision. Like Fightful was saying how that guy had like a really cool entrance with like the flame. Well, Hechicero. It was Hechicero because he worked um Danielson last week on collision. Yeah, people were saying like how cool of an entrance he had. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the guys that were sitting in the crowd that came out after the match. I don't know who those oh. I don't know who the two extra guys there were. Like I'd never heard of like at least with Hechicero. With Volador Jr. and Masquerada, I have heard of all of them, and I have at least seen them all once before. With right. Star Jr. and Estefinje or whatever, I've never even heard of these two guys. So that's my thing. <clears throat> so Danielson and Hechicero started off the match and kind of just picked up with the ground mat wrestling that they were doing on Collision. Hechicero applied a rolling bow, uh, bow and arrow. Danielson escaped, and Hechicero rolled him up with the cradle for a two. Claudio and Dorado then tagged in and had a little face-to-face. Claudio had the size advantage, which Dorado didn't really care about <clears throat> as he threw some fast chops. After trying to use his speed, Claudio was set outside with an impressive head scissors, but stepped aside for Dorado, and he hit him with a dive. Moxley and Volador then came in and immediately slugged it out. 
After each guy connected with some big moves, they were putting the boots to each other. Then we went to a commercial break. Had to burp. Anyways, um, things returned from the break, and Claudio had Volador in a giant swing before Moxley made the tag and got a quick two count. Moxley poured on the offense before Volador dodged a lariat and hit a thrust kick to make the hot tag to Dorado. After getting hung up in the ropes, Dorada hit a double arm drag on Moxley and Danielson before launching off Moxley's back to drop Danielson with the head scissors. There's an incredible spinning head scissors sent they sent Claudio to the floor. Hechicero and Volador hit stereo topes before Dorado followed this up with the shooting star press off the middle ropes. Hechicero then dropped Danielson with a spinning hammer lock into a backbreaker as Dorada followed up with the 450 for a two. Moxley and Claudio then returned. To clean house, but Dorada hit a wild up and a wild up and over code red and Claudio on Claudio to get a two. <clears throat> so they keep on fighting more crazy. I literally write more craziness is going on, and these guys are moving quick. Um, Danielson or Hedgesero tried to wrap Danielson up in a stretch muffler, but Moxley made the save. The match continued to break down until Hedgesero hit a spinning guillotine leg drop on Claudio for a two. Claudio then sent Hechicero into the referee, and it allowed Claudio to hit that low blow I talked about, the little spine buster, low blow, ball buster. And then he rolls. This is weird. He hits him with the ball buster, and then he kind of just, like, sets him down gently on the mat, and then rolls him up and picks up the pinfall victory. So Claudio pins Hechicero. What did you think of the match before we get into the post-match? Match was pretty. Match was pretty decent, I would say. It was better than what I expected. Well, then post match, the three guys jump the barricade, and they're surrounding the ring. BCC are outnumbered. When out comes Matt Seidel, Christopher Daniels, Matt Menard, and Angelo Parker, and there's twelve men now staring at each other. And I'm like, where the hell is this leading to? Is this going to be a 12-man tag at the pay-per-view? Like, if it is, oh, boy. Oofa. So, I don't know what this is leading to, but we got the randos again, the guys that never really do much of anything anyways. Matt Seidel, Christopher Daniels, and 2.0. I mean, I feel like if they do this match at the pay-per-view, I feel like a lot of people aren't going to, like, care about this one because most of these CML guys, nobody knows who they are. Unless Mystico, everyone knows Mystico, but... <clears throat> right, but plus, when you're doing a 12-man tag, guys are in there for, what, a minute at a time? Not even enough time to really get much in. Right. So we go to the back, and Chuck Taylor's being attacked. They told us earlier that he was in the doctor's, or the trainer's room being checked on. Well, they pulled him out of there. He's being attacked by the Undisputed Kingdom. <clears throat> Adam Colvin said, Get well soon. Chuck. And then, yeah. I don't know what this is leading to. I know back in the day there was a, a deal with Adam Cole and Chuck Taylor over the PWG title. So could this be a callback all the way to that? Because Chuck Taylor was the PWG champion. Adam Cole and him feuded over that belt. But I don't know. Is this a PWG callback? Him saying, get well soon, Chuck. I mean, it was Chucky e. T, Chuck Taylor. I don't know. I think that's kind of cool, actually. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. People forget Chuck Taylor was PWG champion. Because 
Like they I feel like over, people kind of forgot. I'm pretty I, sure they feel it like over. People, go for it. I feel like people kind of forgot about PWG now. Yeah, because I know they feed it over the belt, and then Chuck Taylor at times would make fun of Adam Cole on commentary. Right. Honestly, it's kind of sad that I feel like a lot of people kind of forgot about PWG because like they don't really have that like original like PWG building that they had. Well, it's not even that. It's they run so infrequent now. Before they would what run almost once a month or every other month. Now it's like. Every so often, oh, hey, there's a PWG show. Wait, well, huh? When was that announced? You know, so. You didn't get the big announcement from Tony Khan that we talked about earlier. Boss business. No, big business is coming on March 13th. <clears throat> then we got Chris Jericho versus Kanosuke Takeshita. And all I'm going to say here is I'm glad Takeshita won. Because Jericho didn't need the win. But they've been doing so little with Takeshita. I feel like Kakeshita really needed this victory, and hopefully this pushes him forward into something, maybe challenging for the international championship, maybe challenging for the TNT title. I don't know, but I think this win was much needed for Takeshita. After training some shoulder tackles early on, Jericho connected on a stiff forearm, clotheslining Takeshita to the floor. Callus, showing the tough love, slapped Takeshita to wake him up as Jericho flew in on the attack. Takeshita then promptly turned the tables and was relentless, dropping Jericho with a brain buster on the floor. Crowd cheered Takeshita, who hit a second rope senton back inside following a Takeshita line. Jericho then went up and over in the corner and connected with a double axe handle. Hobbs tripped his leg, allowing Takeshita to regain control. Hobbs was then cracked over the back with a sealed chair by Sammy Guevara. Hobbs no-sold the chair shot, and then Guevara hit him with a cutter. Hobbs then stumbled around, and Guevara decked him with a brutal unprotected chair shot. Like, this looked bad. He was just straight to the head. Bah! Like that Sean Spears uh, Cody chair shot from years back that messed up Cody. It was not smart. I don't care who you are. Don't take a shot to the head like this. They fought in the crowd and disappeared. Jericho then sent Takeshita to the floor and put on the demon mask that Takeshita was wearing during his entrance to try to do a dive. But I guess Takeshita moved at the last second and Jericho just crashed on the floor. Jericho couldn't see. And basically, they were trying to play like Jericho couldn't see where Takeshita was to actually hit the dive. Go to a break. When we come back, Takeshita uh, delivers an F5 and a violent running big boot. This then sent, he then sent Jericho's head snapping against the ropes. Takeshita got, um, yeah, so they fought for a little while before Jericho tried to go for a lion salt, and Takeshita got the knees up. There was a forearm battle that ensued as Jericho attempted the walls of Jericho, which Takeshita rolled through. He tried a crunchy roll, but he mistimed it, and it kind of looked awkward like they botched something. They followed this up, though, with the wheelbarrow German that landed pretty good. Takeshita hit another Takeshita line, but it was countered in mid-move by a code breaker. Jericho then hit a bulldog. And then another Lion Salt. Takeshita countered the Lion Salt, though, with a Blue Thunder Bomb and got a two off of it. There was then an Avalanche Blue Thunder Bomb for a close two. Jericho's head bounced off the apron very hard here. Um, Takeshita then hit a power, do- power Drive Knee. Tried to go for another, and Jericho blocked it into a Walls of Jericho. Callus then threw a chair in the ring to distract the referee. As with the attention turned... Callus popped Jericho with a screwdriver. Takeshita then locked in the walls of Jericho. 
Jericho almost faded, the arm dropping twice, but Takeshita switched to a lion tamer position, and Jericho immediately tapped out. So, yeah, I think this helps Takeshita, gives him the win that he needs, because they haven't been doing too much with him on the good side there. And yeah, it wasn't bad. I liked it. What'd you think? It was a bad match. I I will say Takeshita didn't need the need the win more than Jericho because yes. like Jericho, he's one of those names where if you beat him, it's not really gonna affect him that much. And also, I I don't know if fans are still against Jericho or not, but I noticed him getting booed once or twice, and they really wanted Takeshita to win. But do you think all the Chris Jericho stuff kind of died out a little bit? Oh yeah. I think that was more of just the fans being more behind Takeshita. So then, well, we... Takeshita, he's also well, Takeshita, he he also needs to be like one of those young guys that they start needing pushing like to the yeah. tops very soon if they want to start pushing new talent. So then we go to our main event with the AEW World Tag Team Championships on the line in a Texas Tornado match: Sting and Darby Allen challenging Ricky Starks and Big Bill. So Sting's sons were at ringside and he hugged them before the match started and they played up to what we saw after the match as well. So remember, bell sounds and Bill immediately slammed Allen into the guardrail right in front of Sting's family while Sting and Starks brawled it out into the crowd. But Sting disappeared after some time. Bill and Starks then beat up Darby two on one and then we see a balcony and we see Sting. And I go, this man... As a death wish. 64-year-old Sting jumped off the balcony onto the three wrestlers below. Then we go to a break. I'm like, God damn this guy. You've been hanging around Darby too long, old Steve Borden. So when things returned, Sting hit a stinger splash against the barricade on Bill, who kind of no-sold it, and then ran through Sting. Allen tried a tope on Bill, who caught him in midair with the... Oh, my God. This, like, boss man slam or or black hole slam, whichever it was, looked amazing. This is the way Darby's flying through the ropes for the dive. Bill grabs him, swings him around, and then hits the slam. This looked so great. This was an awesome-looking move. Incredible. Back in the ring, Bill lifted Allen up for a choke before being slammed down, bouncing Allen's head right off the mat like a ping-pong ball. Uh, Bill and Starks then set up a table at ringside as Starks called for Bill to press press Allen over the top rope through that table. Sting made the save. He fought off both men. Sting then ran wild, ultimately dodging a Bill Big Boot, crotching the big man in the process. Starks then snuck up from behind. Uh, Stuck up from behind and laid out Sting with a scorpion death drop as Allen broke the pin. Allen and Starks then slugged it out before Starks back dropped off the corner and tweaked his ankle. Sting and Darby traded, or no, yeah, Sting and Darby did the Stinger coffin splash thing on Big Bill before a code red and a follow-up coffin dropped to the floor by Allen connected on Bill. Starks then missed an enziguri on Sting who locked in the scorpion death lock, but Bill appeared in frame with Allen on his back in a sleeper. Bill then made it to the apron before Allen spun around, gouged his eyes, and both men fell through the table, set up a ringside. 
Starks then got the ropes, but the tornado tag means there are no rope breaks as Sting still let the hold go, though. Goddamn old guy. Goddamn. Not realizing these newfangled rules of no rope break, no rope break in this match. Sting then tried to go for Stinger Splash, but Starks moved out of the way, and Sting hit an exposed buckle. Starks briefly hesitated as Sting fired up, and Starks hit a spear for a close two. Sting tried, or Starks tried another spear, but ran into a scorpion death drop. Sting pinned him and picked up the victory. So before we get to the post-match, what do you think of the tag title match and the new champions themselves? I liked it. The match was good, but once they won the belts, I was like, oh boy. Now they're, they basically won the belts so they can lose them to the Young Bucks at Revolution. So you think Sting loses his last match? Well, what else are they going to do? Are they going to make him just relinquish the belts after they win? I mean, you might as well just drop him to the Young Bucks. Here's an idea. Sting is like woozy. Darby's already been taken out. Sting's woozy, and both Young Bucks are standing in the ring. They know it's their time to win the match. They look at Sting, maybe a, a Ric Flair at ringside, and say, sorry, I love you, and then both of them super kick Sting and pin him to win the titles. It would make more Basically, sense. It would make more sense if Rick is there at ringside. But what if they sorry I love you, Sting? If they did that, they're gonna get so much hate from fans because they're gonna be like, "Oh, they're copying Shawn Michaels." But it would have been hundred percent yes because Rick is out there, so it's more of a jab at Rick, going, "We're gonna take this guy out like you were taken out by Shawn." One yeah, last super oh, kick. Yeah, but but how would it like how'd that work like going down though if it's trying to be a, like a jab at Rick though? How'd that work like going down the line? Because in the end, Rick wanted to be there to see Sting prevail in his final match and then they beat Sting. Right, but would would it be something that they would need to continue going forward though, to no. try and make that jab at Rick? I don't think so. Unless they do that to Sting. Rick gets in the ring, and they tell Rick you can take one bump, and they also super kick Rick. I mean, I feel like Rick takes a lot of bumps anyway, though. I mean, kind of. He hasn't really taken any big bumps, though. Like, what, Christian crotched him, and then he slowly fell down? So, I don't know. I just think that would be a, a fun little callback jab thing. <clears throat> I feel like this match, whatever it's going to be with Sting, Darby, and the Young Bucks, probably going to have a lot of callbacks and a lot of smoke and mirrors. Yeah, I thought it was kind of, I thought it was kind of funny when when the Young Bucks first returned, fans were pissed about like why are the Young Bucks going to be Sting's final opponents, and then like the next day or two, Sting the asked. report came out that that Sting wanted the Young Bucks. Yeah, because he Which, why up was Sting want? Why would Sting want the Young Bucks, though? Because they're safe? No. So, last year at Forbidden Door, they did a six-man tag, and Sting and Darby were against the Young Bucks and El Fantasmo. And Sting loved being in the ring with the Young Bucks so much that he was like, if I'm going to do my final match in this company, I want to work those guys one more time. That's basically what it was. He wants to work them one more time because he loved... He had so much fun working them in the six-man tag. So, match ends. 
Got new champions. And Sting tells his boys, come get in the ring. Confetti flies everywhere. And Taz asks, uh, no. Um, Sting looks a little dejected for some reason. And then Taz asks what this means as Sting is set to retire next month. And how's he going to be a champion? This and that, blah, blah, blah. And then they get attacked from behind by the Young Bucks. Matthew and Nicholas appear wearing all white, and they have white baseball bats. Now, I liked the all white for two different reasons. I liked the all white because when Darby started bleeding, what a visual of all that blood on them. But do you know the other reason why they were all white? And this is just a hunch, but do you, could you maybe think of another reason why they would have wore all white? No, I don't. The Sting's thing is he's always in black. They want to be the opposite of Sting. They wear all white. I mean, that's just me spitballing. But it's just interesting. Kind kind of makes sense, yeah. So they beat down Sting. They beat down Darby. They beat down Sting's boys, which I wonder if they've got any wrestling training or not, or if they were just told, hey, we're going to do this and fall like this. Darby then gets busted open. I don't know if this was the plan or not, but Darby gets busted open. He's bleeding everywhere on the suits of the Young Bucks, which is just great visual here. Their, co- their suits are, like, covered in blood now. Um, they hit the BTE trigger, which they now call the EVP trigger. BTE's dead. More bat shots to the ribs of Sting. The Bucks then stood tall as commentary said, no one has come out to help them against the Young Bucks, the EVPs. Uh, they are the EVPs, and people will fear for their jobs if they try to go up against them. The Bucks then grab the tag titles, look at them for a second, and then throw them down on Sting and Darby. So there we go. Young Bucks stand tall over the new tag team champions. What do you think of the post-match beatdown? Yeah. I thought it was just a regular, like, I thought it was just regular, like, like, heels attacking the baby faces. I mean, I don't really think it was anything special. Right. I thought it was kind of cool that they got Sting's sons involved to make it a little more interesting. I really like that. And his boys look a lot like him. Like, they look a lot like him. So, take after their papa there. But, yeah, I thought it was a good show. Overall, it built to a number of things going forward, which a lot of AEW shows, to me, feel like they're always in like a vacuum, and it's like, this happened this week, but it has nothing to do with next week. But there was a lot on this show that build towards future shows. So that was a positive. We have Ooh. how many? One, two, three more Dynamites till the pay-per-view, and we only have three matches, four matches technically that we know. And if you're thinking like Tony Khan... What do we need? Seven more matches? Uh, Jonathan, YouTube chat says, what if Ric Flair like turns on Sting and helps the Young Bucks? Oh, Lord. I doubt it, but oh, Lord. I mean, I wouldn't hate I mean, it. I mean, you gotta give Rick something to do in AEW since Sting is gonna retire. True. Like, what's well, he going to do? Like, manage so, Darby now? What, Rick's going to walk around with the Young Bucks now as their manager? I mean, I wouldn't hate it. So, 
Is that why they're all dressed uh, nice in suits? Because they're going to be with Rick? I mean, it would kind of fit, I would say. I mean, what else are they going to do with Rick? I mean, he's Rick's still got a few more years left on his deal. True, but it doesn't mean he's got to be around all the time. Right, the, but they still the want to deal, use him on TV, though. I think the deal is more of a sponsorship deal than anything with the, the woo energy. So, we'll see. But as far as all that goes, you know what we thought of the show. Now it's time to hear what you guys thought of the show. Poll is live on Twitch, so go check that out as I check all the other polls as well. Looking at the Threads poll. 80% liked the show. 20% didn't like the show. Looking over at the Twitter poll. 58% liked the show. 25% thought it was just all right. And 16% didn't like it. Looking at the YouTube community poll. Let me hit a refresh on that really fast. 60% liked the show. 20% thought it was just all right. And 20% didn't like it. Person says, solid show. Crowd was great. Crowd was great, especially in that opening match when they were behind Swerve. Uh, this person says, well, once again, Tony Khan delivers a disappointing, underwhelming, lackluster announcement. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it was lackluster, <clears throat> though. No, but we all know what it is. So just tell us Mercedes Monet is coming. It was, well, it, it would have been lackluster <laughs> if, if uh, T-Guard didn't spoil it. Maybe. But also, it's like, AEW, I feel like, doesn't do enough of video packages to hype up somebody new. It's more of like, we want them to be a surprise. But I think, give us some really cool 30-second mercedes Monet hype hype videos. You never have to actually show her face. Just show her walking around, show a bunch of money and gold. And, and Could have done something great there. Maybe they still could, but I don't know. This is 7 out of 10. This person says 9 out of 10. This person says, I like it. Till that lady with Timeless Tony Storm looks... Like Playboy Bunny. Oh, you're talking about Mar uh, Mariah May. Uh, the live poll on YouTube. 60% liked the show. 14% thought it was just all right. And 17% didn't like it. And finally, the Twitch poll. 67% liked the show. 33% didn't. With that, guys, that is going to wrap everything up here. After this, I'm going to go live. Twitch.tv forward slash Timmy Buddy. We're going to play some Fortnite for a little while. Then... At 1 a.m. Pacific, the new season of Disney Speedstorm will drop, and we're going to jump in, and we're going to play some of that as well. They are dropping the Little Mermaid season, so we're going to play some of that. Disney Speedstorm is a great free-to-play kart racer. So, yeah, hang out with me over there, twitch.tv forward slash Timmy Buddy. But Luke, tell them where they can find you. You can find me over at Twitter X at Petkin underscore 21, and you can also find me over at Twitch at Young Grasshopper Luke. With that, guys, have a great rest of your night. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next time. Have a good one, guys.